So tonight is a wonderful evening for us. And as you can see, we had our net connect in a different space, which was before the service. Normally it happened in the evening after the service, but for the next few weeks, we'll be having it in the, um, well, before the service, and then we'll continue with it both before and after the service. So it is a very special evening for us, and this is the reason why we're relaunching Young Adults tonight. And so I just want to share a bit of the journey that the young adults have been on for the last year and just share with you where we sense the Lord leading us to and also just to share our hearts with you. So where I'd like to start, and I'm so glad that I see two faces in our space, which is Pastor Harry and Auntie Winnie, if you could just wave your hands. <laughs> I just want to honor them tonight, and I want to say thank you for that which you, I don't want to cry. <laughs> Thank you for that which you have sown into the next generation when you were in that space. Um, I shared with the team before we started, so just to give you a bit of context, if you're not aware of who they are, Pastor Harry and Auntie Winnie um, served in the next generation space, and they served very well, faithfully. And I shared with the team before we set up for Connect, that there were seeds that were sown before we came in where there's fruit we're reaping today because of what people have dug in the ground and the seeds they have sown. So just to say, and we look at you and we honor you, um, we honor Christy, we honor all those, Gideon, Pastor Gideon, all those, Neil, Bester, Ben, um, too many names to mention, but we honor all the leaders that went before this leadership team. Because they dug the ground, they pioneered, they put seeds in the ground of fruit we are eating today, and they built where we can build on. So just a huge, huge honor from us to all of them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Where are we now? <laughs> the Lord has had us on a journey this past year where it might have felt like not lots was happening, but there was. And the thing that was happening was a lot of waiting and praying, where a lot of our meetings was coming before the Lord and waiting and praying and asking him, Lord, where are you in this ministry? One of the questions, I remember one meeting, we had a very serious discussion with the team and we went, why does this local body even need a young adults? And the wonderful thing that came out of that meeting was, that it would be a safe place for young people to get their identity from God, know Him, grow in Him, and make a difference in the world. And so where are we tonight? We are the young adults tonight, and I think they're going to put our logo on. <laughs> this is our new young adult logo. And so this is the thing. If you look at the logo, some thought it was a pyramid. I'm not going to tell you who in our leadership team thought it was a pyramid. It is not a pyramid. What it is, is if you look at it, it looks like a road. If you look at the lines, so it looks far. Yay! Who noted that? <laughs> one, of, one of the things we are busy aligning ourselves within the church, and if you if you are aware, the vision of the church is very clear. It's God's kingdom in hearts, homes, and beyond. And what that looks like at the moment is that we are all a part of this discipleship pathway. 
And the goal, the destination is becoming more like Jesus. And so this is our new logo. It does also look like a triangle. And so if you do look at it, if the goal is becoming more like Jesus, then the language for our new logo is the following. If we think of the up, in and out, and being on this discipleship pathway, it's the following. It's to know God. So to become closer to God, to become transformed into his image means to know him. It's to grow in community. And it's to not stay in community, but to go and make a difference in the world. So our language and our slogan is this, to know, grow, and go. And that's what we are part of. It's the part being a part of this amazing, bigger community in the church, but that we are part of this discipleship pathway. And so when we look at this logo, that's the thing it should remind us of. It should remind us of community. Am I getting to know God better? Am I growing within my community? And am I going to make a difference? Because that's what disciples are. They, they know, they grow, and they go. And so this is our new logo. I'd like to introduce you to the team. They're quite a wonderful team. And so I'm not going to go name by name, but I want to actually just highlight one person, and that's our ministry coordinator, which is Stephen. <laughs> so Stephen does a lot um, behind the scenes in terms of logistics and coordinating the leaders and the ministry, but he doesn't do it on his own. Stephen, with the core leaders, with the shepherds, the leaders, and the volunteers, make sure that there's a space in this local body where the young adults can identify, um, have community, and grow out what God um, has put on them as a, a purpose and what is destined for them. So what I'd love to ask you this evening as, as a community is this, that you would stretch out your hands and that we pray for them as a leadership. And I am going to ask Natasha to come up. I didn't ask. I didn't prepare for this. But can I say this? And so for those who don't know who Natasha is, this is Pastor Louis Kutza, our senior pastor's wife. But she, can I tell you, models discipleship in her own right. She really shows what it looks like to be a disciple. And I'm going to ask her to pray for us as a leadership team that we would fulfill that which God has placed on this leadership. And that together we would do this thing. But just to invite you to, if you were sitting this evening and you're going, yes, I've connected at Connect before the service, I want to actually put an invitation and a challenge before you this evening and say this. This is a year to participate in that which Christ has for us, not to be a spectator. And so if you want to be a part of this body, it's not about looking and just watching. It's about becoming a part of. And so if you're not connected, my question to you tonight is where are you plugged in? Because when you're plugged in, you're connected and you can grow and do that which God has called for you to do. So if you're not plugged in, won't you connect with one of our leaders after the service and just go, I'd love to plug in tonight. I'd love to get involved because we would love to journey with you. Amen. Thank you, Natasha. I'd like to honor uh, Letitia as well for the incredible role that she played um, just as part of this whole team and getting everybody together. You guys are amazing. I love your shirts. Don't you love the shirts? I love that it's three colors. It's a girl thing. But let's pray for them. Father God, we just want to come and we just want to praise your name. And the word reflect is in my mind, Lord. May this team reflect who you are. May this team reflect your incredible, incredible grace, your incredible love. May this team reflect, Lord, 
um, just community and what community is. May this team reflect how to live in our front lines, our missional lifestyles. May this team, Lord, be such a unit, standing together, Lord Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill each one of them in such a mighty way. I pray, Lord Jesus, from the head down, down to the soles of their feet, that they would experience the goodness of God in this day, in this age. Let each one of them, from the smallest, who might even think that I am really not significant in this team, you are called for a time such as this. So I pray, Father God, for this whole young adults movement in Hatfield and in the greater Gauteng and Pretoria. I pray, Father God, that you would come and that your Holy Spirit will move because I know that you are doing a new thing in our young people. So we say, come Lord, here we are, use us. Don't you want to say it right there where you are? Lord, use us. We open our hearts so that you can use us, that we can meet with you, that we can reflect you in Jesus' name. Lord, may whatever happens here give glory to your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Just going to share one thing. Yeah. And so just to mention one thing. Thank you, guys. You're welcome to sit down. Yay. Just to say this. And so this team and this community is really here to serve you. But in this way, if you want to know how to live out your Christianity in your university, your family, your home, even in your front lines as a young professional, get plugged in. Get plugged in and we journey together and we learn the thing together as we navigate how to live our Christianity out in this broken world. Is that okay? So this is the space. This is where a safe place where you can connect with people and really go, God, help me to be a light in this very dark world. Amen. Well, good evening. What a special night. I love the whole real launch of the young adults and everything that is happening here tonight. I also uh, want to just honor Wamari and Taniwini um, just for the incredible role they played in my life. Wamari, Taniwini, although I never call her Taniwini, she never looks like a Tani, so I just say Winnie. <laughs> but um, Wamari was one of my first lecturers that I ever had, um, and I was severely discipled by him. <laughs> So if I talk any rubbish tonight, speak to a Mary. <laughs> That's my fallback. No, I, I love them so much. And they are, you know, if, if I'm in a church and I always look for the older people in the church, I always want to see them in the crowd because they make me feel safe. You know, so I am 50 almost this year. So um, I still look for the older people, even though I am getting old. Well. I'm going to speak, we're talking about rough, uh, roughly speaking, um, if we, we think about the triangle that they're using, love for God, love for each other and community, and love for the world out there. We are talking about a love revolution. I love that word. It's the war in me that comes out. It says it's a revolution. It's also a word that is active, something that, that for me means movement. 
But um, uh, why would we want a love revolution in the world that we live in today? Now, I, my purpose tonight is to get you to think. Louis is much more practical than what I am. So I just want to get you to think because it feels like young people are not thinking anymore. You know, I, I have four teenage, well, two of them aren't teenagers anymore. They're young adults, but I've got four boys. And, and when they listen to things and when they play games or... You know, whatever they do, I always just say, will you just think about what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're exposing yourself to? So they, they'll need LTS maybe after a while. They might need an inner healing course because they have me as their mother. They cannot watch Star Wars and before I tell them that it might be dualistic. So you have to think what it is about, even though we love Star Wars. <laughs> but that is just the way I think. And um, because I think we really need to think what we expose um, ourselves to because the lines are very blurry these days. And uh, we need a revolution because there might be something wrong with the world that we live in today. Would you agree with me? There might be something wrong with the world that we live, that we live in today. But let me, let me give you some more familiar people. And I will um, quote some pieces out of a song. Um, Mamiela, are we going to do it? No, no, no. Are we going to rap it? Come on. Come, Mamiela. Come on. <laughs> okay, no. We'll leave you. We'll, we'll. Mamiela. Come on. Hi. Um, <laughs> I thought everybody was joking, but it seems like we're serious. Um, so, does everybody know Black Eyed Peas? All right, so I'm rapping a verse from Where is the Love? Please join me, guys. It'd really be nice. Whoa. Yeah, uh. Yeah. Yo, what's going on with the world, mama? People living like they ain't got mom drama. I think all distracted. <laughs> Woo! Help me! Yo, what's going on with the world, mama? <laughs> that other trauma, mama. I think they don't understand the concept or the meaning of karma. I don't know. I don't know. He's definitely got the moves there. Amiara, thank you. Eh? You are the best, man. Just love you. Let me read to you some of the lyrics. Now, I've selected a few um, of the lyrics in between, um, of the songs. I, I'm not going to quote the whole song. Um, what is wrong with this world, Mama? <laughs> Just doesn't feel right to say it. But anyway, what's wrong with the world, Mama? People living like they ain't got no mamas. I think the whole world is addicted to drama, only attracted to the things that brings a trauma. People killing, people dying, children hurt, and you hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach, and would you turn the other cheek? What's wrong with the world, y'all? <laughs> Father, Father, help us. Send some guidance from above. Because people got me, got me questioning, where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the love? 
Where is the love? Nations dropping bombs, chemical gases filling lungs with little ones, with ongoing suffering as the youth die young. So ask yourself, is the loving really gone? The truth is kept secret. I'm just skipping a whole bunch of things. The truth is kept secret and swept under the rug. If you never know the truth, then you never know love. Where is the love, y'all? Come on. Where is the truth, you all? Come on. Where is the love, you all? I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders. As I'm getting older, you all, people get colder. Most of, most of us only care about money making. Selfishness got us following the, lo- the wrong direction. Wrong information always shows shown by the media. Negative images in the main, is the main criteria. Infecting the young minds faster than bacteria. Kids want to act like what they see in the cinemas. Whatever happened to the values of humanity? Whatever happened to the fairness and equality? Instead of spreading love, we're spreading animosity. Lack of understanding leading us away from unity. That is the reason why sometimes I'm feeling under. That is the reason that sometimes I'm feeling down. That is, there is no wonder why sometimes I'm feeling under. Got to keep my faith alive till love is found. Now I ask, now ask yourself, where is the love? One world, we've got one world, and something is wrong with it. Something is wrong with this world. Something's wrong with the world. We only got one. We only got one world. Isn't that amazing? Man. They diagnose that there's something wrong with this world. What do you think is that? What is wrong with this world? What is wrong with this world? You see, the biggest thing that people pursue in this world is happiness. Isn't that true? Why do you want to get married? Why do you want to get married? You want to be happy. Why do you want to make a lot of money? Because you think money is going to, you know, it's definitely going to get you a little bit happier. <laughs> hey? Come on, don't tell me not. <laughs> you want to get married. You want to, you want to, you want to see prosperity. You want to, you want to be happy in this world. This is not a new thing. This is a thing that came, I mean, and even before Christ, they said, the philosophers said, happiness, that's the pursuit of happiness. Where do you think it comes from? From the Declaration of Independence of America? No, long before that, people were diagnosed with the whole thing of we desire happiness. The pursuit of human beings is happiness. But what is happiness? 
It's Thomas Aquinas who said, the end of man is God. In other words, my purpose in life will not be fulfilled if I do not find God. Because I'm made in the image of Christ, the end of man is God. But he also said that the pursuit of man is happiness. Now I ask you tonight that if the pursuit of man is happiness and the end of man is God, then if God finds, finds God, will he not find happiness? It's a logical conclusion. Let me read to you what he wrote. God in himself is man's end. And knowledge of God is essential in order that man should direct himself rightly towards that end. So that the truth concerning God is of great importance and error concerning God is disastrous. What he is saying that is that if the end of man is God and the pursuit of man is happiness, that if man does not find God, he will not ever find happiness. And if that is the truth, then don't you think what we believe about God is important? Isn't that what he's saying? Don't you think what we believe about God is important? We can't just believe anything about God. In the world that we live in today, what is wrong with the world? Maybe it is because we believe wrong things. We're a country that's 73, maybe 80% Christian. Is that what the news says? Do you think there's something wrong with this world? Maybe it is because we're believing something wrong about who God is. I want you to think today. Man has a natural desire of happiness, and the natural desire supposes a natural knowledge. But although true happiness is to, is to be found only in God, it does not follow that every man has a natural knowledge of God. And such, as such, he has a vague idea of happiness since he desires it. It's not wrong to desire happiness, but maybe we have a vague idea of what happiness is. And maybe we try and find it in other things or in other people. I remember when I got married to Louis, I said to him, I'm not expecting you to make me happy. That's my responsibility. He does not have the key to my happiness. Otherwise, what is Christianity? It's got to work in a penthouse or in a concentration camp. Otherwise, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Come on, say that, man. Say that. Yeah. Yeah, preach that, white girl. Come on. We have a vague desire and understanding of happiness. But he may think that happiness consists, consists of sensual pleasure or in possessions of, health, of, of uh, wealth. 
and further reflection is required before he can realize that happiness is to be found only in God. That's Thomas Aquinas. It is important what we believe about God. So we're busy with a love revolution. We believe that God is love. That is an attribute of what, who God is. But the problem is what we do is we somehow put God and ourselves on the same plane. So we think of love. If God is here, if this is God and his attributes is, God, is, is love, goodness, mercy, justice, and then his different attributes that doesn't belong to, that we don't have in common with him in any way, is his omnipresence, He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. This is God, and we are here. We are not on the same plane as God. So if I have an understanding of love, and God is love, do you think that my understanding of love and God's understanding of love is going to be, it might just be a little bit different. See, but we think of love, we think God loves me, the way I think love should be. But you see, God, the attributes of God, His love, His mercy, His justice, His compassion, that is not something that He does outside of Himself. It is who He is. Let me read to you a little bit of an example so that it might help you because it sounds great, but let me explain it to you a little bit better. If I say that Peter is wise, it is different than when I say God is wise. It is true about Peter, but it is not necessary about Peter. Peter could exist without being wise. Furthermore, his wisdom is distinguishable from his kindness, his strength. You can see wisdom, you can see kindness, you can see strength. It's distinguishable. Peter's wisdom is only part of what he is. Peter could be strong and not wise. The attributes for Pete, from Peter, they are distinct from each other. Furthermore, Peter's wisdom can increase and it can decrease. It can also disappear altogether. And Peter wouldn't, Peter wouldn't cease to be Peter because he doesn't have wisdom. There can be more or less wisdom in our world, in our plane that we live in. But you see, God is not like that. Wisdom is not something that God has outside of himself. It is who he is. Love is not something that God has outside of himself. It is who he is. You cannot separate love and wisdom and all his attributes, his goodness. You cannot separate it from each other. So important that you get this. When we deal with the sentence, we think um, linguistically around it. God is wise. We are dealing with a very, very different 
understanding and situation. God is light, 1 John 1, 5. God is love, 1 John 4, verse 8. To be God is to be these things. You can't be God and not be these things. Wisdom, love, power, etc. Et are not attributes that God has. They are descriptions of who he is. And these descriptions are in perfect unity with each other. It's not like the way we understand it. They have to work together. God does not love and closes his, you know, kind of turns his back on the wrong that is happening. God's love and his justice is in perfect unity with each other. And God is light. It is the most extravagant light. We don't have words to explain it. It's not a little bit. If he is light, in him there can be no darkness. Do you understand that? The Bible says he is light. Therefore, he cannot be darkness. Wisdom is not part of what he is. It is who he is. He is completely light. He's not mixed light. He is unmixed. God is simple. They call in theology, God is simple. He's not complex. You would think that he is, but we are complex. Our emotions are up and down and, it's, and we have divisions in it and we can be one day like this and another day like this. God is simple. He is in complete unity, all his attributes with each other. This is very important to understand because God cannot be loved one day for you and the next day not love. That is a contradiction. We call it the law of non-contradiction. A cannot be A and non-A at the same time in the same respect. I cannot be human and non-human in the same time in the same respect. It's logical. Nobody can prove it, but nobody will fight against that. God cannot love you one day and then A, B, C, D happens to you, which might be very traumatic and I have, I'm not minimizing that in any way. But because that happens to you, he does not love you anymore. Because God is love. He cannot not be love. He cannot be love and non-love at the same time in the same way. See, but we think of him on our plane. Because if somebody rejects me, you know, we come with our whole past in, into this world and, and we grow up with some brokenness. This world is broken. There's something wrong with it. And we come and we put those glasses on and we look at God through those glasses and we think one day he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. But it is impossible. Because if that was possible, 
then God is not God. His attributes is in perfect unity with each other. Now there's this crazy story in the Bible about Jonah and the whale. So I love this story because I just love Jonah. Now, I'm not taking for granted that everybody reads their Bibles these days anymore. Um, So I'll tell you the story. So there once was a man. There's actually a whole book um, of Jonah in the Bible. It's called Jonah. So (laughs) it's in the Old Testament. um, and, um, And he's one of the minor prophets. So Jonah, God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, which is not a nice place. It's just, it was a horrible, horrible place. Well, it was horrible people. You know, they were, they were very much what is, what is wrong with this world. They were violent. They were, they were cruel people. So God tells him, and they hated the, the Jews. So he didn't want anything to do with them. Um, so Jonah, who was a Jew, he, he had to go, God said to him, go to Nineveh and tell them they should repent because I, God, am going to destroy them. Jonah moans with God. Who is this guy? I'd love to meet him. He moans with God. He says, what? I am not going to do this. So he gets on a ship and he goes to Tarshish. He goes exactly, if you think of the end of the world in those days, Tarshish was the end of the world. Goes completely in a separate direction. So the whole story happens. There was a storm. Jonah tells them, I know it's me. I know it's me because God said I should. And I'm disobedient. So the only thing you can do, I love this. You must throw me overboard. He doesn't jump overboard. (laughs) You get that? These these little fine things in the story. Doesn't jump overboard. It's like, you must throw me overboard. So these guys pray and they they get this. God speaks to them and they throw Jonah overboard. And what happens? God sends a big fish, swallows Jonah. And isn't it amazing? He couriers Jonah to Nineveh. How weird is that? He comes from there to there. I'd love to figure this out. One day in heaven, when I go to the library in heaven, I want to see the whole virtual reality of this story. So he spits him out there after three days. You know you don't look great after three days in a while, you know. Um, So he gets to Nineveh, he is not in a good mood. He obviously does not look very great. Probably, I think he might smell like the intestines of a fish. It's a bit fishier. So he goes into Nineveh and and he he says, repent, because God is going to destroy the city. Now, I don't know, Jonah must have had a reputation. Because why did they repent? They were, not, they were not Christians. They were not Jews. They couldn't be Christians because Jesus hasn't died yet. But they, <laughs> that, rewind that part. 
But they weren't Jews. They didn't believe in Jehovah. But they repented. And Jonah is violent. Because he knew. He knew. And this is what he says. But to Jonah, this seems very wrong. And he became angry. I mean, won't you love it if the whole world comes to, you know, if a city comes. I mean, that would be fantastic. Comes to Jesus. I mean, it would be brilliant. But anyway, it wasn't for Jonah, who was, according to me, full-time in the ministry. What is he doing there? And became very angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't it this? Isn't this what I said, Lord? When I was still at home, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew, (laughs) this is so cool, I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding to love, in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. He was such a drama queen. (laughs) But it is better for me to die than to live because I caused a revival. (laughs) My word. What an incredible story. I love it. What an attitude. What an attitude. I mean, he knew God. Clearly, he knew God. What an attitude. Why did he struggle? Why did he struggle? He knew who God was. He also knew that God was a God of justice. But he also knew that God was a God of mercy. And it was very difficult for him to bring these two things together. Because he knew that God's attributes is in unity with each other. But he didn't understand it quite. He did not understand the mercy of God. Because mercy always works at the expense of justice. Isn't that true? Justice is, I did this wrong. I deserve this punishment. I need to go to prison or whatever the punishment is. Mercy is, I've done this wrong. I deserve this punishment, but they're letting me go. So mercy is always at the expense of justice. And he was trying to tell this to God. Justice is, I was wrong, I am guilty. Mercy is, it's okay, you can go. How is God to be merciful if he is to uphold justice. If both of these things are attributes of who he is, how does it work? How can he be the one? How can he be the other one? See, it only makes sense in the cross for us. It's the only way we can understand it. We only understand mercy and justice because it comes together in the cross. Maybe that is why Jonah did not understand it. In the Christian faith, 
God does not exercise his mercy at the expense of justice. He exercises his mercy through his justice. It is through the justice of the cross where God makes himself one with every believer. He takes, he takes the believer's sin on him because justice demands a price to be paid. So it's only at the cross. When Jesus died on that horrible death, he took our sins. And at the cross, He took our sins. Every single sin you have done, every single sin you will do, He took upon Himself. And He showed mercy. He did not die for you. Listen to me. He did not die for you. He died in your place. He did not die for you. He died in your place. Because all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. He does not God's, God exercises his mercy through his justice. The Bible talks about God being compassionate, slow to anger. That word compassion is a word that demands a response. It's not just the feeling that you have. It is such a feeling that you have when you see poverty. You see it and it demands a response from you and you do something about it. That is what that word compassion means. It's not just a feeling of oh, shame. Oh, shame. It is oh, shame. I'm doing something about it. Deep, being deeply moved. By what you see and then doing something about it. And God was so deeply, he knew that we were going, is it a school? He knew that we were going to sin before the foundations of this world. He made a plan. Because he, was, he had compassion. He was stirred so deeply by his love for you and for me. That he moved. That he sent his son to die on a cross in your place. God looks into every, and I end with this, God looks into every human heart and sees what is there. He sees all the wrongs and he passes the judgment. He says, you are a sinner. And he is deeply moved in his being to do something about our lostness. And that is what the cross is. Worship guys can come up. 
want to tell you, if I, if I put a gun to your head and I say to you, tell me that you love me. Are you going to tell me that you love me? Yeah, you're going to master some real deep emotions. You might even have tears in your eyes. You might have, you know, you're going to tell me that you love me because there's a gun to your head. Do you know what it is to be loved by somebody that knows everything about you? Have you ever heard people that is married a long time? I'm married 28 years. We're married, who owes you? 48 years, man. Shout out to you guys. Have you ever heard people that is married for a long time say, it only gets better? How weird is that? How, how better can it get? It only gets better. You know why? Because that guy knows everything about you. That girl knows everything about you. The good and the bad. And they still love you. God knows you. He knows everything about you. And He loves you. You cannot outrun God. You cannot outsin God. He loves you. He will chase you down. He will chase you down. Because it is who He is. It's not something outside of Him that He does when He feels like it. It is who He is. And He made you. And He loves you because you are His child. You might be lost, but you are His child. And He will seek you. He will put initiatives in front of you. You will bump into people, into situations. It might go bad with you at times, but He will always be there if you cry out to Him. And maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. But may we never get used to the cross. That's my prayer always. God, let me never get used to the cross. May I always be arrested by the, by the God who sent His only Son into this world to die in my place because I deserved hell. So I want to urge you as we go into some, we're going to go into worship now. And I love to do this as well. His faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And after you've heard the Word of God today, won't you respond? Won't you respond? Do you guys want to take this away? Won't you respond? Won't you, won't you worship Him? What do you do with a God like this who has loved you with an everlasting love? A love that cannot disappear see love in me could grow old cold like that song said could grow cold but in God it can never it's impossible it's an oxymoron it's illogical so won't you respond tonight won't you worship him because it's all you can do with a God like that. You can worship Him with your whole heart. 
He's not surprised by your brokenness. He's not surprised by your brokenness. He knows it. He knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts before you think it, the Bible says. You can't hide from Him. Sometimes when we're Christians for long times, we, we try and hide from God. You can't hide from Him. Won't you come surrender your heart before Him? If you're a Christian or even if you're not. Come use the spaces and say, God, I want all of you. I want you to come into my heart in such a severe way that I will never be the same. That I would go out and I would be so arrested by your love that I will go into my front lines and where I spend my daily life. And that I want to share the love of Christ because... It is overwhelming to me. This is the God we serve. So let's respond in worship. Lord, we come to you. Just say, Lord, I open my heart. Lord, reveal the cross to us tonight. Lord, reveal to us in the face of brokenness because we all have stories of brokenness in the face of brokenness show me your love reveal the cross because that is what you have done come Holy Spirit set us free set us free Holy Spirit set us free tonight Make us desperate for you. Let a whirlwind inside of us happen. Stir us, Lord. Stir us by the love of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come into this place right now in Jesus' name. Restore what is broken. Comfort where comfort is needed. Bring joy everlasting and full of glory where there is shame. Make us light where we are heavy. Lord, we we acknowledge tonight that we live in a broken world and that we are a broken people. So come Holy Spirit and set us free.